Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversant is Dominic Lauren, who is a female to male to female detransitioner. She speaks about her story growing up, her, I guess, her physical condition, kind of being intersex in a certain way, and her mental condition and the different processes that she went through to fixate upon a transgender identity and then the dead end that she found down that particular road for herself and how she turned back around and now what she's concentrating on and concerned with in public discourse and in life in general. Wonderful individual, very proud to promote her and her story. So without further ado, here is Dominic Lauren. How would you like to structure our conversation? What would you like to open with or focus on or work toward? Um, I want to just really share my story, my experience with transitioning and then having to, you know, detransition and then how I kind of made peace with, with my transition and also how I found a different approach to the feelings that I was labeling as gender dysphoria, but I was able to find more of the root causes of what actually was producing these feelings within myself. Um, Just, I guess, about that, you know? I I just want to share my experience for people who feel that they want to either identify as trans or stop taking hormones or no longer feel that they want to identify as as trans because I, I, I think right now just there's so much spotlight on the community that it's caused a lot of separation hmm. so gender dysphoria mm-hmm. You said there was a bunch of feelings that, did you kind of put them in the container of gender dysphoria at some point? Yeah, kind of. I mean, as I was growing up, I had all of these feelings of, oh, I wish that I, I wish that I was a boy, but not that, oh, I think I am a boy. It was just, I wish that I was a boy because I prefer to have my hair shorter, for example. I prefer to wear clothes from the boys' section. Um, Because I'm using also the vernacular of a seven-year-old. You know, I I wasn't exposed to any of this uh, ideology as a child. So at that age, it was just I was told that I was a tomboy. I didn't have an issue with being seen as female. I just had an issue that I couldn't do certain things because I was female. 
And then I think as I, as I got, not, I think I know (laughs) as I got older, I turned that into, Oh, I also feel that I'm attracted to girls and boys. I'm confused with this. Hmm. I, I feel really isolated because I was the only one at that time, um, who was out. I was in middle school, but around that time it was 2007, eight, nine. So it wasn't as common for kids that age to be coming out as LGBT, at least from my experience at, at where I grew up. Um, so I just felt isolated and I was bullied because of that. So then mm. I transferred schools because my one of my parents had been accepted to work at a private school so I moved from a public school to a private school and it was also an all-girls catholic boarding school so there I really started to not like being female and I think it was a combination of being told that I couldn't do a bunch of things because I was female couldn't dress a certain way because I was female and then also was having people not allow me to express myself to tell me that I was weird because there's this religious influence. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also I did not have a supportive family life. Uh, Eventually when I, when I turned 18 and sought out medical transition, my parents had uh, asked me to move out and no longer wanted to financially support me. So there was a time period where I was financially independent trying to pay for school and transition. And um, so it just caused a lot of drama in my family. Hmm. Uh, So then because of that, I had a lot of mental illness, which turned into me having to go into a lot of rehab uh, and in and out of psych wards. And then so through therapy and through digging deep into my past, I was able to reconcile with all of that and really pinpoint where the root cause of my dysphoria was dysphoria whatever you want to call it i don't really know what to call it anymore um and i was able to really kind of let go of this attachment to i need to be seen as a man i need to be um you like addressed with he him his pronouns um i just kind of let go of everything and left social media for two years because it was really hard to see all of my friends uh who I had met online be so happy and celebratory for their hormones when I knew that I was going to have to come off of it because it was giving me also uh, psychological like side effects. And so in doing that in combination with therapy and just a lot of inner work, I was able to really understand what led me to identify as trans and also why I no longer grasp onto that label so tightly as I used to. I don't really put energy towards caring how people address me. I just ask for people's respect because I know that I now am just very androgynous and I don't really want to change anything. I just feel comfortable as how I appear and I'm not trying to identify as non-binary or anything else because it, it just doesn't feel important to me anymore. Mm-hmm. So in the Catholic girls school, well, before that, 
this is kind of a personal question, but I am curious about um, in what way you were attracted to men and women or to males and females when you were that age. So I guess 12, 13, was it a romantic attraction? Did you do a lot, play a lot of fantasies out hooking up with people or being together, being Mm -hmm. close? Like what was the, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, I mean, it started out with me having boyfriends, the typical like middle school boyfriend, you like hold hands and have your first kiss and everyone's so like awkward about it. Um, but it's really not a big deal, but it's a big deal at that time. So I started out with, with that, but what really I think influenced my perception of my sexuality at that time was porn because I was exposed really young to, to the, um, the word transgender and then also seeing people who had transitioned and taken hormones and when I found out that that could happen I then said oh because of my childhood and wanting to be a boy and not feeling that I fit in and having all of these male typical uh you know gender roles that I took on this makes sense this is why I'm unhappy this is why I don't fit in this is you know I I just kind of saw it as this is the answer and all of these people are telling me that they're happier because of their transition, all the medical decisions that they had made for themselves. I want to. I want that. It was just coming from a place of, I want to feel better about myself. I want to feel happier because mm-hmm. I wasn't. I didn't love myself at that time. I don't think I knew how, mm-hmm. because I just felt so disgusting in my body um, for so long. Did. Was it the idea of being trans or the idea of being a man or a trans man? And what was that idea that you wanted to pursue beyond the what you described of being released from unhappiness into happiness? But mm-hmm. what was the what was the object that you began to pursue? Like this self, this new self as a yeah, man? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, I mean, when I was seven, I asked my mom what she would have named me if I was uh, born male. And she said, Dominic. And so at seven, I started to go by Dominic. So, um, and and really, people didn't really take it seriously. It was just between me and my friends. But as I grew older, I then re- I then said, you know, like, oh, that's, that's what this is. So when I chose the name Dominic, it like had a history to it already. So it just felt right. And then as I grew older in in puberty, I noticed that my body was developing secondary sex characteristics that were male. So I had a full mustache um, and my voice was a little bit deeper. I had a larger like muscle build and I had a happy trail. Um, And this is personal, but I always share it. Uh, My clitoris was a little bit bigger than other people's. So I think also because through porn I saw like people didn't have a similar vagina to me I just felt like oh even my body is telling me I should be male uh so and then eventually when I went to get hormones they did a blood test on me um and then also I thought this was normal like routine for when people started but apparently it's not they measured the length of my like clitoris like they made me strip down 
Yeah. At, wait, um, after after the blood test? After the blood test, yeah. Cuz I wonder they, did you have a just, high testosterone? Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. higher than the female range. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the doctors thought that I was taking like hormones like that I bought offline. They asked me me that like to your period. So you can either take estrogens or take testosterone. So they kind of made me believe that um, I needed to be taking some sort of synthetic hormone because of this imbalance. Um, so that's when I decided, okay, I'll do testosterone. Uh, but my, my parents didn't want me to do it. And so this conversation was when I was 17 years old. So I knew that I was going to turn 18, obviously. And yeah. uh, I, I believe it was like a six-month period. Uh, so I went to college for a semester and then, uh, went back home to start once I turned 18. And that's when they also told me that it, they believed it would be better if I was on a hormone blocker to, <laughs> this is how they phrased it to me, to put my ovaries to sleep, to allow the hormones to work better in my in my body or the um, synthetic hormones to work better the testosterone or... yeah okay. so i at first I, I was seeing one doctor at this hospital and he said you know i don't always recommend a hormone blocker for my patients you can choose whether or not you want it so i had initially chosen not to have it then i had a different doctor who was actually a nurse practitioner and she told me uh that she wants all of her patients to be on a hormone blocker until they have um, either their ovaries or testes removed. Hmm. So uh, she convinced me to go on a hormone blocker. So I was on a hormone blocker for some time. And also during that time as well, prior to the hormone blocker, the pharmacy that I had gotten my first vial of testosterone from actually sold me a vial of estrogen and testosterone combined and they recalled it so that yeah and oh, so no. then yeah so i had i had been injecting with that bottle for four months so oh, my geez. estrogen levels were like dangerously high and so are my testosterone levels so i don't know if that caused other issues but that was like my my first vial of any hrt was that contaminated vial um and you were on so, the hormone blockers at the same time no i started the hormone blocker after that so like my hormones okay. were already unstable and then they put a hormone blocker in which then suppressed my follicle and luteinizing uh what is it follicle and follicle stimulating luteinizing hormones or something uh and so then i was just on the synthet synthetic testosterone. Okay. Yeah. Um, did they test you for some form of an intersex uh, condition? So they told me that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, and that I and that because of that I had hypoandrogenism. So polycystic ovarian syndrome technically isn't considered an intersex uh, trait, but hypoandrogenism 
is. So I used to say, you know, like, yeah, I'm also intersex because I did have another doctor who I talked to when I was trying to figure all of this stuff out mention, like, yeah, I think you're intersex. But again, it's like with the trans thing, I don't really try to latch on to that label as much anymore because I never had any surgeries or anything. It's just, it seems like there's all these compiling issues going on. Like there's a base yeah. state in your body where your body is hypoandrogenic or hypo... Yeah, I don't, it's <laughs> <laughs> hypo... I hope I'm saying it correctly because sometimes I say it wrong, but yeah, hypoandrogenism. So, yeah, I just have more androgens in, yeah. in my body than, yeah. so which, than I'm supposed to have, you know. Yeah. And that that would cause hair growth, uh, probably um, yeah. precocious sexuality. Um, mm -hmm, probably. Uh, probably some emotional effects too. Uh, probably, yes. Well, yeah, because it's a technically a hormone imbalance. So, I mean, I can pinpoint when I started to feel really uh, depressed and anxious and had suicidal ideations was about the time when I started puberty. Um, so I, I do think it was playing into also this kind of distorted perception of self as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah th th I guess there's one, I guess, unintended consequence of the LGBTI, etc. Um, <laughs> movement <laughs> as, as, a, as a political movement is that the labels that are being used get all this uh, secondary meaning to it. So, so something such as intersex, which is a medical condition, now has this social component or is an identity itself, which confuses just being able to, to deal with it as something that's rooted in the physical body because now there's all this cultural yeah. stuff going on. So whether or not you identify with it or not, it's the, there's this uh, underlying issue yeah. that's feeding into your personality and your body and probably prompting you. I mean, I'm just, you know, guessing or rifting, probably prompting you to feel more like a boy and looking around you mm -hmm. at males and females and saying, well, actually, I'm, I'm more like a male than a female. Yeah. And then the cultural expectations, especially in the Catholic girls school, come on, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of like compress that and like make you even more frustrated with the container that you don't already feel like yeah. you fit into. Yeah. And, and also at high school, it was so small the my class only had 30 girls in it um and one of my parents worked on the campus and we did not have a good relationship because they were absolutely not supportive of me going by dominic using he him his pronouns wearing boys clothes cutting my hair it was a constant mm. back and forth battle so I think that also put this kind of constraint on it too because online I was being told, oh, your parents won't get it. It's fine. We support you. You know, we'll be your friends. Uh, life gets better after high school was what I would tell myself. And so once my parents did theoretically abandon me because of just saying, yeah, I mean, you made these decisions, but we want no part of it. Hmm. Uh, leave. 
I really felt that I had kind of been told, you know, oh, this can happen. So it was, it was almost fulfilling my own prophecy in a way of, oh, look, they don't understand me. This is a new thing uh, that people are coming around to accepting. I need to speak about this because I don't want other people to go through what I had to go through. Um, so I started to do a lot of activism too, just kind of promoting acceptance for the trans community. And, you know, I, I don't regret any of it, but I just don't want to promote the medicalization as much anymore because I don't think there is adequate studies to support this happening. Um, because of what I experienced and what other detransitioners have experienced as well. Uh, it's just, it, it was scary to me that when I was having these side effects, the doctors who were prescribing me the, the hormones didn't do anything about it. And I had to go see other doctors. And then once what I do you stopped, mean they, didn't they just do anything about it. Like they didn't they told accept me my your feedback symptoms. or do follow ups up. Yeah, pretty much. They told me that my symptoms weren't correlated to either the testosterone or the hormone blocker because, but to me, I'm like, how could it not be? Especially from what my new doctors have told me, like how connected hormones are to emotions specifically. Um, so, you know, once I stopped, like the doctors never checked in on me to see like how are you doing uh we haven't seen you in like a year mm -hmm. uh because i mean testosterone is a controlled substance like to just be not checking up on someone who you've been like subscribing it or prescribing it to for mm -hmm. over four and a half almost five years just kind of seems not responsible in my opinion so you were getting hormones through in, endocrinologists or just uh, hormone doctors yeah. or gender therapists, maybe even? Um, endocrinologists. Okay. And yeah. that wasn't integrated with the psychological component. So the psychological symptoms or what you were going through psychologically had nothing to do or the endocrinologist didn't look into that or have any awareness or were able to facilitate understanding that by having a degree and, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, stuff. the, I mean, the endocrinologists were aware, I would tell them, um, but they never told me, like, that testosterone, one of the side effects can be rage or can be, um, it's just, I don't even know how to describe it, heightened emotion almost. Like anxiety? I just, or you're on a hair yeah, trigger but it was, or? Yeah, kind of. It was it was as if I, you know, one little thing would happen and then I would just feel so out of control with my emotions that it would just always lead to, you know, I I want to I want to disappear. I don't want to be here. And so then once that started happening, I then was put on psychiatric medications. And so then I While was While you're still having, on your hormones. On those hormones. I'm on my hormone. Yeah. So okay. at one point I was on my hormone blocker injecting testosterone weekly and I was on an antipsychotic, antineurotic, 
an antidepressant, an anti-anxiety, and a mood stabilizer. So instead of subtracting one thing, they could just keep on adding more? Oh, no. Yeah, because because no one was talking to each other, and I would tell them, but they would never really kind of take me seriously. I guess I, I don't really know, because I had to be the one to slowly take myself off of each thing one by one and advocate for myself and really just take my own mental health healing into my own hands and do my own research okay. because it was exhausting having therapists tell me that they couldn't work with me anymore because they didn't know what to do. It got to a point where people were like, we don't really know what to do because, I mean, they were, I had a therapist tell me, your hormones are artificial, so I don't know how to respond to an artificial response to, you know, um, hmm. what's Life. going on. Yeah. 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 And so was, that was really scary because I just felt like, oh, yeah, maybe I should have taken it a little bit more seriously that none of this is FDA approved for what it's being prescribed for. Okay, so... Did you get a sense that the medical establishment or in aggregate all of your doctors were locked into your trans identity and so that could not be questioned? Was the is that where they're like, yeah. Well we can't we can't challenge you on that because that's who you are, that's your identity and you know probably certain other circumstances. So. Yeah, I mean because I, I was very adamant, like I am transgender, I okay. know I am transgender, um this is why, and I had a very typical, like, I have an unsupportive family, that's why I'm depressed, right? You know, I think okay. that was the line that they could draw. And then I did feel what somewhat, I guess, describe as gender euphoria in the first year or two of being on testosterone because all of the changes that I had been waiting for for years and years and years were finally happening. So it was really exciting at the time. Uh, stopping my period was great. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not having to worry about that for a while was awesome, but it wasn't healthy for me at all. Um, and so I think I personally came to that realization, but when I was talking to therapists, for example, they would just tell me, oh, you know, sometimes it just takes the medication like six to eight weeks to see if it's actually doing anything but the only thing it ever really did to me was just continue to numb my feelings so at one point I just felt as if I was this emotionless zombie walking around just going through the motions and I at one point I could barely get out of bed because I was so depressed and just mm. hopeless because I thought you know, here I am doing all of these things that I thought were going to make me happier because that's what I saw on YouTube, but it actually made me feel worse. And then the thought of having to come off with testosterone made me jealous of everyone else who I was seeing who could stay on it and seemed happier. So I thought if they're all happy, then this isn't related to testosterone. But then I really had to disconnect from that. And yeah, lo and behold, a lot of it was connected to testosterone and also the side effects from the psychiatric medications mixed in with the side effects from the hormone blocker and the testosterone. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
Yeah, so that's why I left China because I was detoxing from all of that. Okay. Um, yeah, so I have been off of all psychiatric medications for two years and testosterone for a little bit over a year. So okay. this is the first time I actually have been feeling back in my body over, really? yeah, over like long time. Hmm. I can see how I can see how that gendered euphoria works. It's almost like your body's treated like a house that you get to now re- renovate or it's like getting a new car and yeah you're kind of sold this or you're caught in this way of looking at remodeling yourself, your body as kind of just this new wonderful thing to do and also I'm struck by while you're going through all these different things that you are explaining you're still developing as a human being so when you're 14 oh, yeah. when you're 12 when you're 7 when you're even when you're 20 22 you still don't even know who you are yet and all this stuff is coming down that supposedly is a ladder or some sort of scaffolding to build yourself um, but it, it's all it seems it seems like I'm, I'm projecting i hope you can expand on this or tell no, me if not. i'm right you're or wrong not. but it's like you're working on the outside but you don't know what's on the inside and it feels like there's nobody in your life that's having that conversation with you that you can bounce ideas off of you have to eventually start doing that for yourself or yeah yeah i didn't feel i had a safe home life from a really young age so i just mm-hmm. always kept things internal and was always just talking to myself basically because okay. I I didn't feel safe to talk to anyone because it would always get back to my parents and then it would always just end up in a weird uh, situation or I would be uh, you know hmm. yeah it just were you never able to journal end. or did this all have to yeah. happen okay so you yeah. did a lot I, of writing. I started journaling yeah. from a young age and then uh, my parents read my journals, so then I destroyed all my journals, and then I, hmm. I saved, you know, like the, the, you know, the oldest journal I have is from when I'm 17, but I had been journaling since I was like eight years old, hmm. because I really just had a really tough family life. You know, it was it was great on the outside materialistically but internally behind closed doors it was a completely different family than people knew on the outside um and it, it gets nerve-wracking child to talk about that no i was the oldest of three oh, okay yeah 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 so i have two sisters and then my dad my dad has six brothers so or sorry five brothers he's the youngest of six so i have a lot of cousins so i have a pretty big family um but it was very clear that the men in my family was too aggressive so i needed to play on a boys team uh (laughs) that didn't exist at an all girls (laughs) school so i just literally said f this um and i remember i was so mad one time that I punched this girl uh, in a basketball game and then I got kicked out. It was this big dramatic thing. I was 14 years old too. At the time, looking back on it, it was very 
like gaslighting. Uh, but we were in a gym and I punched this girl. My dad was my coach, so he was really, I think, upset and embarrassed in front of like this whole crowd of people called my grandpa down from the stands and kicked me out of the gym. And the referee also kicked me out of the gym. Uh, so then I got kicked out of the league. So then I just decided that I wasn't going to play basketball ever again or soccer. Um, and then just decided to dance. And so again, I went on YouTube and just taught myself how to dance in my bedroom. Hmm. And then I would film myself dancing. I would lip sync, which then eventually turned into me <laughs> uh, dancing and lip syncing in a music video for Tegan and Sarah, uh, highlighting transgender youth. Hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where that went in that regards. Uh, I Tegan and Sarah, in- are they happened to be the ones that did the privilege rap a couple years ago? Maybe I don't know. I don't listen are they, really. Are they to them. Australian? They're just, Canadian, like okay, lesbian sisters. Then. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you got like to participate in the pop. YouTube darling circuit. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. YouTube. I just I would spend a lot of time on YouTube, like watching, because I never felt safe to create. I always wanted to create. But okay. I never felt safe to create because I knew that I had family like that would lurk online and try and like stalk me, and then okay. it would get back to my family and would cause all this family drama. So for a, a long time, I would create, but it was only just like I'm one month on testosterone, or like I had top surgery here in my results, or I'm intersex and transgender. Here's why. It was just more educational videos. It was not like. Hmm creating content for for fun so i'm starting to do that now because i feel more free i feel more confident Mm -hmm. and just happy and content now you know what caused you to not go all the way with the despair what was the uh, floor that said you can't go any further you have to turn around Yeah. When I saw how painful it was to see people who really loved me uh, witness me constantly trying to uh, kill myself, I really started to feel guilty about it. And I really started to feel as if I was a nuisance to a lot of people and I didn't want to be that anymore and I really wanted to I really wanted to reconnect with this this kid who I knew I used to be who just loved life and loved to laugh and loved to um, just be present with the moment and have fun and and so I I just realized that I I wasn't happy and I wanted that happiness and even though that I was still seeking that happiness I knew it had to be attainable because I I had tried to take my life so many times and it wouldn't work I I think eventually it just turned into this spiritual thing of I've tried to take my life so many times and it's not working there has to be a reason why I'm still here 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then were you able to connect with somebody who would listen to you, a psychologist or a therapist or a counselor or something like that? Or did you end up doing most of that work on your own for yourself? Yeah, I ended up doing most of that work on my own. So my last semester of college was December 2017. And I was also... Uh, put in the psych ward for like a suicide watch for the fourth time at that point. And so then when I got out, uh, you know, the typical routine is they want you to do an outpatient like rehab program. But I had already done two of those prior to this inpatient stay. And so I just kind of knew like, this is what they're going to tell me. And they're going to want to put me on meds, but I know I don't want to be on meds because it's not helping me. So then I moved back to my hometown and I tried to find a therapist, but no one would really take me. And then I found this one woman, but she said she wouldn't work with me if I wasn't on medication. So Hmm. I just felt really like I was wasting my time. All the energy I was putting into finding a therapist, I could just put into finding the answers myself (laughs) through research. Because, you know, put it. Yeah, so I just started doing my own research and really started just implementing like different types of therapy practices for myself and just slowly it started to work. Hmm. So like I mean what, I'm still what kind doing of practice is So like affirmations for example, like looking in the mirror at myself and even in the beginning I really like I couldn't look at myself and be like I love you but I would just say it like I love you until eventually I would actually start sounds weird but I would actually start believing it and feeling it and Hmm. I was like oh okay I'm starting to feel these feelings that I used to feel in my body again that means my emotional capacity is coming back to feel this range of emotion um I would also make sure to like check myself if I was uh, going kind of down this like spiral, I guess you call it like a mental spiral. I would Hmm. have to like pause and count to 10 and then really kind of fact check it. Like, okay, is this true? Or am I just basing this off of like a cognitive distortion that's making me believe that it's true for myself? Just really slowly like literally baby myself into how to have emotional regulation and be a functioning human with all of these complex emotions, but then also know how to handle it and function in society. You know, at one point when I started to regain the ability to cry, I was just crying and crying and crying and crying and crying and crying because all of this emotion had just been stuck. Literally, it felt stuck. But And it felt so good to just let it out eventually that I would just stop, you know, judging myself and I would just hug myself and doing all these things that are so innately human that I feel as if we've disconnected from a little bit in society Hmm. uh, just because I think we have more distractions now. Um, And I also really dug deep into my family's, like, ancestral trauma 
going back a few generations to really understand this is why my parents are the way they are. This is why my grandparents raised them the way they are. And this is why my grandparents were raised the way that they were. And I was able to see like, oh yeah, this pattern runs deep in this side of the family because of X, Y, Z thing that is happening. But that doesn't mean I'm responsible for that. I'm just responsible for healing the way that it affected me and not carrying it forward to mm-hmm. the world and the interactions I have with other human beings. Hmm. So you're on this cocktail of all these different drugs. Which one do you, uh, you know, like the Jenga tower, which one you're like, I'm going to take this one out first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which one? Let's see. So I was, I was on two, um, antidepressants. One was for sleep because this, one of the side effects was drowsiness. So they were just like, here, take this. It'll make you sleep. And also it'll help your depression. Um, but it's mostly for sleep. So that one I kind of just, I took out uh, immediately because I felt comfortable. Like, okay, I'm on another antidepressant. I can just take that out. Then um, it was the antipsychotic that I took out. And then the antineurotic because I didn't believe that I was psychotic or neurotic. I felt that my symptoms were just uh, coming from, like I was explaining, this artificial place because it was these, these synthetic hormones with a, you know, I had an implant for my puberty blocker, which was for, I think it's FDA approved for men with prostate cancer. Okay. Um, well, so Lupron, is that... What it is or you know it's called Vantis. Okay. Huh. Yeah, it's a Vantis implant. Like I just, have scars right here. How long That's do they last? Or do you have to? Did you like do something grotesque and dig it out one night in some sort of weird movie moment? Oh no! But I mean, okay, I have a photo you. of it. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had it surgery. Like I would have to go in once a year and have it surgically removed because they had to like they would do local anesthesia and then cut it open and then pull it out and then put it back in Refills, or put it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Refill yeah. me. Um, and were you, would, yeah. were you expected to go on that indefinitely? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, huh. they were very, uh, much pushing me towards that direction indirectly. You know, they can't just flat out say, this is what you have to do. But with my endocrinologist, because she was the one that I worked with the most, um, you know, she made it very clear that she felt that it would be easier for me if I didn't have my ovaries. So I actually had an appointment to have a hysterectomy. And I don't know why something in me just said, Hmm. I don't want to do this. So I didn't do it. Okay. and I'm Were really you, thankful I didn't do it. With the testosterone, I know that certain females can undergo some pretty dramatic uh, reactions with their uh, the whole womb system. Yeah. Were you, uh, was the, and I'm sorry, this is very personal, I'm just wondering. No, 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 it's uh, fine. Was it just like period stop? Was that like the, the uh, kind of like the end of the road for how that affected that part of you? 
Mm, yeah, for the most part. It just, my period stopped. And I had, I would say, vaginal dryness. Um, but besides that, you know, it, yeah, it was like never like, a atrophy. Atrophy can happen. Yeah. I know. Okay. I so. didn't. I didn't have atrophy, but I think I was going towards that because uh, when I saw another doctor in the future, she had told me that my uh, ovaries had like shrunk. She said that they were too small for someone my age. Mm. Uh, so mm. that freaked me out. And when mm. I was uh, starting to date my partner, he and I wanted to try doing like some sort of birth control, but I didn't want to do the hormonal one. So I got like the copper IUD mm-hmm. and then I had a full on period while taking a full dose of testosterone. So then that also really freaked me out. So then I got that taken out and then that's when I started to be like, okay, I'm coming off of this. Like this is just not feeling healthy. Okay. Like I don't feel healthy. My hair was like falling off of my head so fast and like if I bent down like this you could see like directly to to my scalp um and like my hairline was like receding too and if I pull like my hair back like I have all of this growth like coming back in but my hairline used to be like pretty yeah okay you know like male but it's mm. like all of this is brand new. So it's all coming forward and like filling back in again. And the hairs too, like the minute I stopped testosterone, they started to come back in quicker, like gradually. Um, but yeah, they started to come back in quicker and they started to, you know, thicken and kind of have that like just, uh, what do you call it? Softness back. Like, testosterone really, like, dried out my hair and made it really brittle. Like, really, really brittle. Um, so, I, yeah, I think I also just, I didn't, I didn't want to go bald because I knew that I was, like, causing it to myself, right? Like, I was watching all these videos of people, like, accepting themselves going bald because it's just a part of their genes. But I was like, that's not that's not me. I'm doing this to myself. I can easily stop this. But then I would think about, I don't want, I don't want my female body back. So it was this Mm. like tug war. But then I realized, okay, my moods and all of this stuff is also because of the testosterone. And at the time I, you know, I was hopeful that it wasn't, but I think intuitively I knew it was. And now being off of it, I can confirm like, yeah, I don't have any of the mental health issues that I had while I was on testosterone. So it really pinpointed it to me of like, yeah, uh, it was a big factor playing into all of the mess of the medicalization that I was experiencing. How did, uh, what were some steps that you took that allowed you to be, uh accepting of your body as as it was given to you and as it is now yeah i would say just allowing myself first to just be comfortable with being naked i really had a hard time with that prior just because i would 
look at myself as if I was broken. Um, and I had to really like reclaim that for, for me. And then I just would go to the store and I would just buy clothing that fit my body, but that I also felt comfortable in. So it was, uh, buying, for example, like instead of men's underwear, buying women's underwear. And I would just tell myself like, this doesn't, cause at the time I was still in the kind of like, I am trans, like I am a male, but I was a lot, I was able to get myself to be like, this doesn't make me a female. This is just clothing and I'm putting it on my body. And then eventually it allowed me to just, just like radically accept myself and be like, yeah, and this is just my body and I am a human being and we're all diverse in shape and structure and in preaching to other people, like, just be who you are, accept yourself as you are unconditionally. I needed to also do that. And I realized that that was really, you know, important and needed to also incorporate stopping testosterone for myself. And did, um, so the trans identity, it's like the rhetoric, and I don't mean to in this conversation to to go critical mm-hmm. about it, but the rhetoric is that uh, trans man is a man. You are a man, but you're still aware that you're a trans man. So it's like like that. That rhetoric is, I guess, it's pointed outward to to change the rules of society or to advance some sort of cause. But if you're really trying to internalize that. Is it, aren't you setting yourself up for cognitive dissonance? Like there's this break in your brain that you have to, like with your identity and then investing so much of who you are into this identity that you're producing and performing at the same time. It, it, it seems like a lot of stress, but it seems unstable <laughs> too. It know. was stressful for me. I mean, you know, I, I and I, like, again, I can't speak for other people who take on this label, you know, and so I have to be aware of that. I have to be aware that I am only speaking for myself. I personally came to the conclusion that I was transgender because of XYZ, you know, and when I talk to other people, it's it's different for them. Mm. But for me, I always saw myself as baseline female, right? I because also at the time the community that I was existing in was solely online and I had no friends outside of the internet for the first four years that I was identifying as transgender that also identified as transgender. It wasn't until I went to college. So in that time, it was just this personal identity that I was using this label to kind of tell people like, hmm. yes, I'm a female, but female to male. Like I am a male because I feel like a male. Mm-hmm. And this feeling is supported by everyone is calling me he, him, his pronouns when they meet me in person and I haven't even been put on testosterone. I've, I'm, I'm just in my physical body without HRT. Um, and mm-hmm. so, but I'm at this all girls school and I don't feel comfortable being seen as a girl and no one sees me as a girl. Yet I, I know that I have the biology of one because that's what I've been told. Mm. Um, 
but I'm also 14 years old, so I'm still <laughs> getting a grasp oh, of who I am. And, uh, so, hmm. you know, I, I personally, yeah, I always saw myself as I am female, but I, okay. you know, transitioned to male. Uh, and so, but I've seen a lot of people change that. I do see a lot of people now say I've always been male and I can see why that was comfortable for them but me personally it just doesn't hmm. make sense because at one point in my life I too was also seeing myself as a female mm-hmm. you know and, and socialized that way and out of all female schools so yeah, yeah. so Where do you put the energy that you were putting into your trans identity? Where does that go now? It seems like you you invested a lot in mental health and and talking yourself up. As you're getting better, freer, yeah. where where does that where does it where do you, where are you putting your attention now? Um yeah, I've been learning languages. I think now that I realize that when I hyper focus on something, I can get a really good result <laughs> out of it. <laughs> um, I that. started, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> so I took that hyper focused lensing and put it towards languages. And uh, is that, my is part- that rather easy for you? I don't. I, I'm sure it's a lot of work, but does your it is mind- a lot of work? Yeah, but yeah, I've I've noticed I. I can pick up languages pretty hmm. pretty easily, uh, effortlessly, and it's fun for me, too. I know for some people, if you say learn a second language, they cringe, but I, I love it. It's a hobby of mine. So for me, one of my biggest goals right now is to be able to complete my master's and write my thesis in Mandarin. That would be the ultimate accomplishment for my Mandarin study goals that I have. And then I also started to pick up Spanish over this last year because my partner's from Mexico. So a lot of my family now only speaks Spanish. So I wanted to, you know, get to know them more intimately. So I just started to pick it up and now I can speak Spanish. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I want to keep, keep going with that and seeing where it takes me because, I was really passionate about learning languages while going through all of this, but I couldn't devote a lot of time to it because it was so much, uh, you know, it was taking so much time to get through a panic attack or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. try and live, basically. Mm -hmm. What would you like your master's thesis to be about? I don't know yet. I'm... But you're, you're studying I, international I business, so there's something in that International domain. studies. Studies. Oh, studies. Okay, so... Yeah, yeah. It's like culture, or the meeting of cultures, or... Yeah, so it'll cover culture, law, economics, and mm-hmm. also language, right? Um, it's a dual degree, so I'll be getting a master's from a Chinese university, and then also a an American university. And, uh, so with that, I'll be able to have access to 
obviously knowing how to potentially work in either the Chinese job market or the American job market or another international market, uh, either in Mexico, for example, because, uh, you know, I, I, I've talked with my partner about potentially moving to Mexico. So kind of open right now just to kind of see what interests me at the time. I also don't know if I'll even be able to do this program because of COVID. So I may just continue to study on my hmm. own and see what happens from there. I just would love to inspire people to learn languages and connect with other people who just enjoy doing that because it, it's fun for me. And I, I also want to, you know, do more content creating. I started doing TikTok just because oh. it's, Dancing? yeah, just because I want to do dancing, yeah. But language learning and sharing, uh, different like spirituality stuff. Uh, I want to talk about mental health. I actually created a series where I'm going to read a journal entry from when I was younger and use that to kind of promote my YouTube where I'm going to talk more long form content about my transition. But I also want to promoted on tiktok too just knowing that yeah. i can reach more people because i'm really not trying to say like oh no one is transgender or no one should do this but i just want people to know that it's more complex than just attaining gender euphoria or uh making a decision that you can easily turn back from because i i had that mindset um, that I could just stop taking testosterone, everything would be fine, and that that wasn't the case. What are your f feelings or opinions of the medical industry and its treatment of you, and then its treatment larger scale of the transgender issue? Yeah, um, it's it's been interesting to observe how the medical industry's changed around this subject because when I came out as transgender, HRT uh, and surgeries still weren't covered. So seeing that change, I've seen a change in the way that people are treated. Um, you know, for me, I had to go through a little bit of therapy to get a letter of recommendation for uh, hormone replacement therapy. And I also had to do that for my top surgery. But as I got a little bit older, and this is only in the span of, you know, I started testosterone in 2015, so it's like, what, six years or something? Six yeah. years ago? Um, you know, in that span, I've seen so many people just be able to get hormones very easily. Um, and I've seen this kind of narrative breakdown of, oh, it's really hard to get hormones now it's it's seemingly becoming easier and easier and with that i think it, there are a lot more people who are potentially going to take it who don't want to or could have side effects from it and not you know have a similar situation to me and then not know what to do because there's no mm literature or really research about this and there's 
and so for a while I didn't also want to talk about it because I was scared of having my story be used as a political piece and also you know the gatekeeping issue of yes there are a lot of people who say this helps them these therapies help them and they haven't had side effects from what I'm aware of and I don't I wouldn't want to take that away from someone either mm -hmm. but I also want people to be safe I want if this is going to continue to grow I want people to also be taken seriously uh, for side effects that they may have because I don't feel as if I was taken seriously I felt as if I was just being kind of listened to and they were only hearing like depression okay take your anti-depression pill oh you have anxiety just take this oh you're having a side effect let's just change the medic medication like it's a different brand but it's still an antidepressant i would just it it's it's complicated how i feel about this because i feel as if yeah. if i feel as if i didn't have the desire to to change myself i don't think i would have and i don't think the medical industry was gonna help me if that makes sense because i don't think they knew how coming off of testosterone, okay. um, coming off of all my psychiatric medications. I just don't think any any of my doctors knew how or like what was going on. We are in a very interesting period in history where stories like yours are not being taken seriously by the medical establishment. The medical establishment, from what I've heard, and speaking with doctors and practitioners of a variety of sorts, uh, shuts down any sort of uh, counter-narrative to acceptance and affirmation right now, meaning that yeah. there are going to be a lot of people falling through the cracks and that there's going to be a lag in stories such as yours. Uh, and, I mean, the anecdotes that you're sharing, that I'm collecting, adding up into data is going to take a while, and in that time, yeah. there's going to be heaps more of very similar um, stories, and therefore it's incredibly important for you to just share yours, whether or not it um, is used as a political pawn, but it will reach the right people before, during, and after they go through a similar journey and being able to assess what they're actually feeling. It seems yeah. like you have a, a, a sense of yourself in the world now. It seems like if you look into the future, is this true? I should tr phrase this step more as a question. Do you see yourself in the future and how do you see yourself in the world? Hmm. I, I think I have a vague idea of what I'm going to be doing. I really love storytelling and I want to tell my story. So I, I really do see myself doing some sort of media, videography, speaking, whether it's a podcast or a documentary or something, just because I love the artistic side of all of that. Mm. And I also see myself really wanting to work in just bridging human understanding between individuals and dissolving the delusion between duality, between everyone. Because, mm. you know, at the end of the day, 
we all have similar basic needs and it just becomes convoluted with all of these labels and identities that we're putting onto each other to separate ourselves to in my from my perspective to feel different but we're not that different at the end of the day so i want to just keep i guess just sharing that and whatever form that manifests into i just hope that i'm enjoying it and making a living from doing something that i love doing and that i'm passionate about so i'm still searching for what that is but i know for example languages i love that um so maybe something with that or maybe something international if something happens with my schooling so i don't know maybe like acting i'd love to do voice acting sounds really fun like, there's just a lot of different things that i'm open to yeah thanks for joining me and, and adding your voice to my little queue um and i'll link links to your tiktok and your youtube so you can get more viewers and uh people Thank can uh, hook up with you do you have a schedule with the youtubes um that you're doing roughly so far it's just been one video a month okay. um I'm trying to do more. I just have been... You can do one every other day like me if you really want. <laughs> I know. You're very ambitious. <laughs> I'm inspired by, by your channel just because I love the diversity of voices and guests that you have on. It's just more. It feels more organic, and that's how I remember YouTube being mm. back in the day. Um, so hmm. I, really, I really appreciate that and just... You've interviewed so many people specifically about, you know, gender and sexuality and transition. I, I've i learned a lot just through your other, um, you know, participants. And I also learned a lot through your Evergreen uh, video series. <laughs> like, that's a very negative lesson. Unless that you're studying their tactics and you want to well, implement them in China or something. <laughs> well, it was just, it was just very validating because, I mean, huh. my college experience was not to the extent of Evergreen, but it had similar undertones. So it was just interesting to see what was happening also while I was in school and yeah just because I read the coddling of the American mind and so it talked about evergreen and then I remembered you also talking about evergreen and then I was like oh this is a little bit larger scale of an issue like nationally than I hmm. than I realized <laughs> yeah so, if last summer uh <laughs> showed us anything it's that evergreen can scale <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so thank you for for your channel it's it's been when i was not using social media i would log on to youtube though to like keep up with what you were putting out just it was very valuable for me to hear other d-trans stories specifically mm -hmm. but also different perspectives within the LGBT community and also the medical professionals specifically was really helpful because it felt like I was getting access to stuff that I could have benefited from hearing but wasn't hearing from the doctors that I was interacting with. So thank you. Thank you. And you're welcome. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna end the recording now. Say goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. That's a really nice <laughs> goodbye. You should do voice work. Congratulations for reaching the end of the discussion. If you enjoyed it, do be sure to leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or whatever you need to do to show that glorious algorithm that this is some good stuff. And do be sure to go and check that back catalog as it is brimming full of fantastic conversations. Links to provide monetary support are down there in the description as well. Have a good night.